the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. May His grace and His blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages, amen. I greet you, dear brothers and sisters, beloved in Christ, on this beautiful day as we celebrate the Divine Liturgy on the 15th of the Coptic month of Paope, which corresponds to the feast day of one of the great saints of the Church, Saint Pantelemon. And as we heard in the Synaxarian reading, this was a saint who was born to a Christian mother named Eubula and a pagan father named Eustorgius. And he grew up studying medicine, and he was quite proficient as a medical doctor, but he did not know Christ until he became friends with an old priest named Hermolaus. And Hermolaus taught him the Christian faith and ultimately baptized him. And as a Christian, St. Pantelemon lived a pious and a virtuous life. He miraculously and famously healed a man uh, who was blind after many other physicians tried to heal him but could not. Pantelemon's secret was that he healed this man not through medicine only, but also through the name of Christ, and he baptized this man afterwards. When the public heard about this great and miraculous healing, they glorified God and they praised St. Pantelemon. So the other doctors became jealous and they denounced him to the Roman Emperor Maximian and he was judged by the emperor sometime around the year uh, 304. Now one might imagine Pantelemon as a young and successful doctor with his whole life in front of him standing before the emperor. The easy thing for him uh, to have done would have been to appease the emperor and to go on living a successful life as a physician. But that's not what Pantelemon did. Instead, he freely declared himself to be a Christian in front of the emperor. And not only that, but to show his faith in Christ and to show the superiority of Christ as the true God over all of the pagan gods that the emperor believed in, he asked him to bring the most wretched sick man in the empire, a paralyzed man that everyone knew about. And in the name of Christ, right there in front of the emperor, Pantelemon healed him so that this man was made whole. And the emperor saw this good deed, and instead of glorifying God, he repaid Pantelemon with much torture. And the torture that he endured is really more than words can describe. It really might make people faint when they imagine what Pantelemon underwent because of his faith in Christ. But the Lord appeared to him and strengthened him repeatedly, as did his mentor, the priest Hermelaus. And finally, the emperor ordered St. Pantelemon's head to be cut off. And under one of the olive trees of the palace, he was timed. And Pantelemon knelt in prayer before his execution. And the executioner raised his sword and brought it down on the saint's neck with all of his mind. But nothing happened. Nothing happened. You see, St. Pantelemon was not done praying. And so as long as he was continuing in prayer, every time the executioner brought his sword on his neck, the sword broke 
as something made out of wax. The executioner could not kill him until St. Pontilemon had finished his prayer and had given the executioner permission to cut off his head, showing that he was prepared and he was ready to die for the name of Christ. Such is the great power and grace that God gave to his servant, St. Pantelemon. And the olive tree that he was tied to, the place of his martyrdom, immediately became heavy with fruit, showing, of course, the fruit of his holy life and his sacrifice. And in return, God received his pure soul and glorified him as one of the great saints of the church. Saint Pantelemon is part of a group of saints that we have in the church known as the unmercenary healers or the holy unmercenaries. These are saints who were trained in medicine or generally they possess the gift of healing and they went around healing people for free, remembering our, war, our Lord's words to his apostles, freely you have received, freely give. And some of the other unmercenary healers that we have in the church are Saints Cosmas and Damien, and Saints Cyrus, who we know in the Coptic Orthodox Church as Apa Kir, the Apa means father, and Kir is Cyrus, so Abba Kir, is a uh, Father Cyrus or Saint Cyrus, um, and Saint John, who was with Saint Apakir. We also have the great martyr Saint Mina, the wonder worker, who is considered one of these holy unmercenaries. And all of these that I've mentioned lived around the fourth century. Now, there are many beautiful lessons to learn from the life of Saint Pantelemon and all of the unmercenary healers but I would like to spend the rest of my time speaking about their mission, which was healing, which was healing. As Orthodox Christians, how do we understand sickness and healing? Like many other aspects of our faith, it all begins with our foreparents, Adam and Eve. The first human beings were created by God, not only holy, and sinless and pure, but they were also spiritually and physically healthy. They knew nothing of the sickness and death that has become so commonplace in our world. When they rebelled against God and they sinned, sickness and corruption, death and decay became part of their fallen nature. And it affected not only Adam and Eve, but it affected all of us because we are their children. But God, the merciful, the compassionate, the lover of mankind, promised us a redeemer, however, one who would heal our spiritual and physical nature. He would heal the specific diseases of each person as well as the general sickness of our fallen nature which affects all of humanity. After all, when you think about it, our individual sicknesses, whether it is a common cold or, God forbid, cancer, all of these things are consequences of the general sickness 
that came upon our fallen nature after Adam and Eve disobeyed God. The promised Redeemer, the Christ, would come and he would deal with both. In the Old Testament, we see a foreshadowing of this healing and several stories of healings and raisings from the den, such as the raising of the widow's son by the holy prophet Elias, or the raising of the dead child by his servant, the holy prophet Elisha. When Abraham and Sarah were physically too old to have a child, God reversed the sickness, the infirmity of their old age and enabled them to conceive Isaac. When the Hebrews were afflicted by the bites of poisonous snakes in the wilderness, God commanded the holy arch-prophet Moses to heal them through the raising of the bronze serpent, which was, of course, a type and a foreshadowing of the holy cross, healing us from the poison of sin, death, and the devil. All of these magnificent stories in the Old Testament were a foreshadowing of the work of our Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why the holy prophet Esaias, this is why he describes the coming of our Lord in these beautiful words. He says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. In these powerful words, we see what Christ will do. Christ will open the eyes of the blind. He will open the ears of the deaf. He will cause the paralyzed to leap like deer. He will cause the mute to sing with a beautiful voice. And he will cause all sorrow and sighing to flee away from his presence. And indeed, this is exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ did in his earthly ministry. In Orthodox theology, the true healing of our nature, which became corrupted and distorted because of sin, could only have been achieved through Jesus Christ, as the Holy Apostle Paul said, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ came to restore and heal our human nature by uniting it with his divine nature. And he did this through his incarnation when he made the two into one. In the Old Testament, when a person was healed or raised from the dead, it affected only that person. It didn't affect all of humanity. But when our Lord Jesus Christ was incarnate, he began to heal the symptoms and the consequences that affected all of humanity. He began to deal with the general sickness that we all inherited through the disobedience of our foreparents, Adam and Eve. 
the gospel contains many examples of our Lord healing the sick. We read in the gospel, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed all of them. Not only did our Lord perform these healings, but he also raised people from the dead. He raised the daughter of Jairus after she had been dead for a matter of minutes. And then he raised the son of the widow of Nain after he had been dead for a matter of hours. And then he raised Lazarus, his friend, after he had been dead for four days. And it is this last miracle, this last account of the raising of Lazarus, that was the greatest of his many miracles. It showed that he had absolute authority over life and death, such that he could reverse decay and corruption. Our Lord, as the creator of the universe, could even reverse the decay and corruption that came upon a man who had been dead for four days. And all of these raisings from the dead prefigured his glorious resurrection through which, as the Holy Apostle Paul wrote, he released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Our Lord Jesus Christ did all of this to manifest his kingdom on earth and to heal us and to transform us both spiritually and physically through union with him. So Christ is the source of all healing, and this is a great blessing for us because all of us are sick one way or another. Whether spiritually or physically, we are all sick, we are all frail, we are all weak. We are all incapable by our own strength of living in perfect health the life that God offered us when he first created our foreparents, Adam and Eve. Christ is the source of all healing, and we are all sick in one way or another. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? There is a need because we are sick, and there is one who heals, Christ. And yet, the reality is, not everyone is healed. Not everyone is healed. Many people around us are still sick. And although we are all in need of healing, only a few are actually healed on earth. Wouldn't the blessed family of the beloved Nadra Hanna, who are gathered here today, wouldn't they have wished that our Lord performed a miracle and healed their beloved family member. And that brings up an important question. Why does God not heal everyone? Didn't Christ come to heal us? So why doesn't he heal everyone indiscriminately? Even in the stories of healing from the Holy Gospel, we find that Christ heals one or a few persons in a crowd of many. Why? What was unique about the people that our Lord healed in the gospel and those we heard about uh, throughout the holy writings? Well, the first answer to this question 
is to remember something very important. When Christ heals someone, we consider that a miracle because that healing is against everything we know. What do we know? We know that people get sick and they pass away, they depart, they die. So when Christ heals someone, to us that's something unique. But remember that when Christ heals a person, He is actually only just restoring that person to what He should have been. We should have been without sickness. That was our normal state when God fashioned Adam and Eve. That was our normal. But through the fall, we became sick. And so when Christ healed someone, He was simply restoring that person to what He should have been from the very beginning. It was a restorative act. But we see it as a miracle. The word here is thama, right? The Greek word thama for miracle. For us, it's a wonder because we've become so accustomed to sickness and death that it is really something amazing for us when a person is healed miraculously. But what Christ really is doing is He is restoring a person to what that person should have been from the very beginning. And for some people, Christ will do that in their lifetime for the glory of the church. The people that are healed, they are healed because they're healing in some way. God wants to be a witness and to be a glory to all of the faithful. And this is why some are healed and others are not. But what about the others who are not healed in this miraculous way? Well, they still are healed, but they're not healed in the way we want. We want them to be healed and to continue their life as usual, to give us more years of love and companionship. But they still are healed when they depart this world and they are united with Christ in paradise. Because again, this is what Christ came to do. Through union with Him, we are healed. And for some people, they are healed on earth to give glory to God and to manifest His glory and to encourage the faithful. But for most other people, their healing comes about when they pass away and they are united with Christ in paradise. Another thing that we should remember is sometimes we want people to be healed but oftentimes for selfish reasons. We want, for example, a grandparent to be healed because we want to have more love with that person. We want more time. But actually, if you look at the healings in the Holy Scripture, whenever our Lord healed a person, that person lived a completely different life after the healing. It wasn't life as usual after the healing. Think about the mother-in-law of St. Peter. Our Lord came. She was afflicted with a great fever. And so our Lord rebuked the fever and it left her. And then what does the gospel say? It says, she arose and served them. So before the, the sickness, she was living her life one way. After the sickness, she lived a life of service. It was a completely different life. It was a life called to service. Think about Lazarus, whom our Lord raised from the dead. After his raising from the dead, 
He didn't just go on living life in Judea as usual. No, he became a preacher of the good news and he became a bishop of Cyprus. He consecrated his life to Christ after he was raised from the dead. And the rest of his life was really just a preparation for eternal life. And so when we think today about this question, why doesn't God heal some people who are sick physically on earth? The answer is he does. But that healing for them happens through their union with Christ, which they begin on earth, right? Whenever we pray, we try to unite ourselves with Christ. Whenever we fast, we try to unite ourselves with Christ. When we come to the Holy and Divine Liturgy and receive the mystery of the Eucharist, that is called a communion, that is a uniting with Christ. It begins on earth, yes. But the ultimate union happens after we leave this fallen world and we are united with Christ in paradise. And so for the beloved Nedra, her healing was accomplished, maybe not in the way that we would have wanted to have her here and have more time with her. No, but her healing was accomplished in a much better way. She was united with Christ and now she knows no such thing as sickness or corruption or decay or sin or temptation or any of the things that plague our fallen nature. Let us rejoice for her today and let us remember all of these wonderful saints that we have in the church, the saints whom we call the unmercenary healers, and let us ask them for their prayers whenever we or our loved ones become sick, and let us put our trust in God, that one way or another, whether it is a miraculous healing or whether it is healing by union with Him forever, that one way or another, Christ will fulfill His ministry of healing and restoring mankind. To him be the glory with his all-holy Father and the all-holy and life-giving Spirit, now and forever and unto the age of all ages.